in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Um, that was a rerun. <laughs> Look, I know I have a hard time getting to work on time, but uh, who the hell can I blame here? Oh, jeez, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna have to come up with some excuse because this time I'm gonna have. They're gonna talk to me. They're they're gonna talk to me. And I'll say it again. Uh, I do think I think we have to have a firm start time of one o'clock. Screw the commercials, all right? Or put the commercials later, or something like that. One o five thirty is when this. Uh, and for the record, I walked in the room at one o six forty nine. Oh, gosh, I got so many responsibilities. Not that I'm complaining. Um, everything's great. It's muggy as hell outside. And, uh, oh, unfortunately, sadly, New York is at each other's throats. New Yorkers are getting on each other's nerves over issues of race. Ay, ay, ay. It was such a phony, silly thing. Everything was fine. People got along. We were New Yorkers, rich people, poor people. Everybody rode the subway. Now, after the media hyped and hyped and hyped, uh, small, big, indifferent, medium, anything with the police, they hyped it. And now, like I used to say about de Blasio first, he pretended the NYPD was broken. Uh, Then he managed, then he pretended to fix what wasn't broken. And then he managed to actually break it. Race relations, race relations. First, they pretended that they were breaking and fraying. Um, nobody even pretended to try to fix them. They they said they broke apart even further. Most people are just watching this stuff on their TV. No big deal. And now, yeah, it's done. We've actually managed to kind of uh, create a real rift, a real rift, a horrible scene in New York, in Queens. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, a bunch of women yelling at other women, and they're yelling. You know, they're calling each other horrible words. And it's all about race, all about race. And um, they made this happen, the left. They wanted this, and now they've kind of willed it into existence. It's a real thing now. And it's, um, I'm sorry, I can't believe they did it to our city, you know. But they. this was the kind of thing you saw a lot of in Philadelphia, uh, in cities like Atlanta, even to some extent Los Angeles. And the big thing, even if you didn't ride the subway, what brought this city together is that the rich and the poor, just like I said a moment ago, just everybody was in it together. It didn't really matter. When you walk down the street, nobody can tell what you have, who you are, uh, how much money, what your status is. You know, we're just kind of, we're all New Yorkers. Now, you can see the divisions, you can feel the, the divisions. If you have enough money, you ain't taking the subway. Uh, it's a, another world down there these days. So... uh what the hell else? Uh, Joe Biden is back. Didn't impress anybody over there. Actually made a lot of people shake their heads. Hey, I think this is kind of interesting. And you tell me if I should mention it on the TV show tonight. I think I will. Did you know that George Floyd, you know, the guy who was killed by the cops up there in Minneapolis, did porn? Did you know that? He was in uh, pornography films. He was actually, and it wasn't just some sex tape that leaked. I mean, you know, here's George Floyd. And he's our porn star today, and he's having sex with this woman. And it's all filmed. You can see it on, uh, well, you know where to go to find that kind of stuff. It's uh, very easy to find. 
And uh, I watched it. At first, I was like, wait a second. Is that really him? I can't tell. And then, well, number one, he call, it looks like him. Number two, he calls himself Floyd. And number three, he's got the same tattoo as George Floyd, which is a great big eagle on his chest. And the eagle is holding an AK-47 uh, machine gun. And that's a pretty unique tattoo. George Floyd have, had one, and the actor in the porn, porno had, had one, and it's the same guy. Now, what difference does that make? Did he deserve to die that day? No. But I, I still think it's interesting. It's interesting, and we should know it. As we turn George Floyd into a civil rights icon, four funerals, heads of state from all over the world, Joe Biden, the president, the incoming president, going to his funeral, talking about the guy realigning, realigning American culture because of his death captured on videotape. And again, I wish that didn't happen, but I also wish that people understood and knew the facts, and we didn't have a media that was afraid of talking about them. Like that Derek Chauvin, when he kneeled on that neck, and I was as horrified as anybody else, he was actually following a procedure outlined in the Minneapolis Patrol Handbook, a a leg restraint procedure. Apply your leg to the neck of the individual you're trying to subdue. It's in black and white, and it was part of the Minneapolis Police Department's procedures. I'd also like people to talk about or at least to have understood that he had enough fentanyl in him to kill himself. Also, what about the part that uh, the cops were actually being merciful when they let him out of the cop car? He was having a full-blown panic attack. They thought he might die in the back seat. So they put him on the ground as he wished to be placed. So now I find out he's a porn star. I find out two years late, and he was hooking up with a fairly prominent uh individual in the porn industry her name is banks so what difference does it make look i you know i know what it is i've seen all kinds of material people have we there's no real taboo perhaps there should be around pornography some of the most successful people in america achieve their success in part because of sex tapes uh and let's see kim kardashian You think that sex tape with Ray J slowed her down? No, it sped her up. Paris Hilton, uh, I think, and by the way, I think they released these things on purpose. But those were sex tapes that were just uncovered. This was no kidding. You know, he knew he was on TV. He knew it was being filmed. And it was very much a, a porno scene. All right. He was just meeting this woman. And it was a, you know, it was all agreed upon. I'm sure he got a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. And I think we should know those things. Heck, I know that Derek Chauvin's uh, ex-wife was Mrs. Minnesota in some uh, little beauty contest they had. I also know that the Chauvin's held real estate. I think they had an apartment in Delray, Florida. I mean, I, we know all these things about them. Shouldn't we know everything about George Floyd, especially if we're going to have statues form all over the place? Not saying. By the way, there are porn stars, uh, you know, famous porn stars, not so famous porn stars. A lot of people in America consume pornography. A lot of people in America also look down on porn stars. I mean, they wouldn't have them over to their house for dinner and that kind of thing. And I, you could argue, hey, that's really hypocritical, isn't it? And maybe there's an element of that. But one of the reasons why porn stars are not kind of esteemed, elevated, because Well, lots of people have sex, but only few choose to make money that way. You know, I mean, in a weird way, anybody can do it, but most of us choose not to. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why, uh, 
you know, we don't, uh, what? I mean, have you ever met a porn star? Have you ever actually met a porn star? Very few people have. Have you ever seen poor porn? Uh, most people have. Okay, so there's there's that. Um, so George Floyd, it doesn't change my opinion about him or the cops or anything like that. But I think it's I think it's interesting. You could say it's not relevant. How is that relevant? Well, not everything in the news is just is is for relevance. Some of it is just, oh, that's interesting. I find that interesting. And yes, I looked at it and uh yeah, it's uh it's uh I don't know if I would say it's interesting actually as far as those clips go. That's another conversation about pornography. Uh I don't wish to have because people get really bent out of shape when I when I raise these issues. And everybody gets mad at me. Conservatives who want to pretend that there is no pornography uh, get mad at me. Some like it, that I'm talking honestly about it. Some people get very squeamish that I even acknowledge that I've seen it. Some people get even more squeamish when I acknowledge how recently I may have seen it. But, um, look, it's not, in a way, anybody who's, it's not our fault. It's not our fault you used to have to go two towns away to the uh, little store there to buy pornography. Every kid in America has access to every act you can imagine in their phone. Uh, that it's, it's, it's everywhere. And that's a problem. I think we've desensitized uh, ourselves and also placed ludicrous, over-the-top, stupid expectations of our romantic partners. I mean, who can... Who would, who could do this stuff? Who would be inclined to do this stuff? Who would want to do this stuff? Well, guys see certain things and they think, okay, I should have all this stuff, you know, I should have all this stuff right now. I know it's uncomfortable, it's weird, um, but it's hurt relationships. It has hurt relationships. And I guess that's all I'll say about that. Having said all that, though, I will say one more thing. Who knows who Robin Bird is? Robin Bird is actually a very nice lady. I see her around. She's a supporter of mine. I like her a lot. And um, she doesn't wear that bra anymore. She's not on that channel anymore. But boy, oh boy, they have a lot of a lot of material, don't they? I just want to be honest with you. I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want. Then again, I I also want to say this stuff is, I think, damaging. It's just it's not good for anybody especially the people who produce it, especially the people who make it. You notice, you'll notice that a lot of them uh, succumb to drug abuse, a lot of them, and uh, what else? Uh, STDs, that's a real problem. And it's just not healthy, I think, to have uh, you know, sex with that many people all day long. It's just going to, I mean, it's going to wear people out. It's just not what the body's not designed for that kind of stuff. And you know who I know this from? Porn stars, quite frankly. They've made, they've come forward. You've, you can look it up. They've had interviews on mainstream TV. You know, Bell Knox, uh, who's the other one? that? Uh, there are a lot of former porn stars out there who say, don't do this, it's bad. Uh, all right, enough of that, uh, I think. Hey, can we, oh, listen to this. The motorbikes are taking over Manhattan. The motorbikes are everywhere. Got that motorbike footage? Play that motorbike stuff for me. They are, I saw a fleet of motorbikes. There must have been a thousand of them. A thousand of them going by me. Go ahead.
That's not the sound of freedom. That's annoying. It was like a freight train waiting for the caboose. And it was like three minutes long of those guys going by, blowing off lights, uh, blocking traffic on purpose. They, they, they provide their own like traffic guards. This is crazy stuff. Yet one of the many challenges that Eric Adams is not even bothering with. One of the reasons is because, in all likelihood, he's stoned. He is absolutely smoking weed and could care less. That's what it does to you. It makes you so calm, so relaxed. You know, anxiety, nervousness, those things are there to help us, actually, to survive. Well, I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, hello, testing, testing, yes, Uh, it really is heavy outside, heavy, 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 thick air. I feel like a new man, though. This uh, this no tweeting thing is uh, is really working for me. It's, um, you know, I used to tweet like a lunatic, and, uh, well, I don't anymore. (laughs) Somebody else... uh, Somebody else is in possession of my Twitter account. Uh, I can submit tweets to that person and they can consider them uh, or they can reject them. So I don't tweet all that much. And part of what I loved about Twitter was looking at what people said about my tweets. And that was really the draw. They're absolutely hilarious, absolutely smart, brilliant people out there. Even the haters, sometimes especially the haters, they're just People are great. People are fascinating. People get it. I love people, actually. Um, But that's over. I don't do that uh, anymore. Uh, And what is? I didn't tweet once this entire weekend. I slept better. My hands are feeling better. I I find, you know, I was doing this project, and I'm like, man, I'm getting a lot done. I I, I couldn't. I looked at my watch, and I'm like, I'm actually going to complete this today. This is the kind of thing it's it was it's this writing thing I'm doing and this is the kind of thing that I would do in the past it would take me weeks you know and procrastination I'm like where is this energy coming from is there one thing in your life that you've got going on that you know is not good for you but you keep it going anyway uh that was twitter for me way back when it was uh alcohol got rid of that now I am managing twitter and it almost feels like when I stopped drinking I just had this renewed kind of vitality and uh this lightness to me and i i feel i feel different and i don't know what it is maybe you're on the phone too much maybe it's drinking maybe it, there's probably something there's probably something you got going on that you know if you think about it you'd be better without it you know who told me this stuff you know who really put some of this stuff in my head in addition to god most importantly praise god uh that fellow jordan peterson jordan peterson cut 44 please if we're bandying back and forth uh, our, our differences in values, you know, um, I, I would say that the highest possible value is truth and that uh, one of the concomitants is that is that is that we need stringent protection for freedom of speech so that we can utter the truths that we see fit. And I think that that's a, a value that's much higher than than kindness, for example. Um, absolutely. That's that's. He's a brilliant guy. I like him. I know he wasn't speaking exactly to the point that I was just making, but. Uh, please check out Jordan Peterson, his books, especially the videos online. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you feel like you got an extra friend 
And that one piece of advice is one of his rules for a living. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And you can do this. You can make these little, small, incremental improvements. And they start building on each other. And all of a sudden, you are just wowing yourself. Pretty soon, you'll be wowing your friends, family, and who knows? Maybe your boss and the media. Anything's possible. Um and even if they never notice, you notice. That's uh, that's so important. Da, 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 da. Oh, AOC is having a – somebody said AOC has a nice butt, right? Somebody kind of said, hey, you look great. Yeah, oh, wow. That What's his name? Jordan Stein. Pretty funny, actually. Alex Stein. Do we have him? The hot tamale comment? Oh, good. Uh, this is some internet troll dude. And I troll is such a nasty word. Here he is on Capitol Hill. And he basically says, watch this, I'm going to harass uh, AOC. And I, I know I shouldn't find it funny, but I find it funny. Go ahead. See, my favorite big booty Latina. I love you, AOC. You're my favorite. She wants to kill babies, but she's still beautiful. You look very beautiful in that dress. You look very sexy. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. I love it. My favorite, AOC. Nice to meet you, AOC. Look how sexy she looks in that dress. Woo, I love it, AOC. Hot, hot, hot like a tamale. <laughs> like a tamale. Look, it's politically incorrect. It's awful language. Uh, at the same time, it's funny. It's just funny. I mean, we're laughing more at that guy, Stein. I mean, who talks like that anymore? You know what I mean? He's just so open and proud about it. You know, you hear, oh, sexual harassment is the worst thing in the world. And it's not good. There's something kind of funny about it. I, anyway, she has a. Is she, by the way, she comes back. She takes a little selfie with the guy. You know, everything's fine. He's not approaching her. He's like fifty feet away. He's just not. And, and I, what do you say? It's funny. He's like, I like the Jerky Boys. I think those guys are comic geniuses. I think this guy's pretty funny too. She has a total and complete meltdown. And uh, calls a special conference for the LGBTQ community. She does. She calls the LGBTQ journalists from the LGBTQ uh, arena and says, we are not safe on Capitol Hill because this happened to me. I mean, total and complete drama queen. Miranda Devine, brilliant writer in um, the New York Post, writes about this. I, who, she doesn't fight for New York. She doesn't fight for us. You know, uh, the bodega owner. The guy is uh, thrown in Rikers Island and uh, is stabbed by that woman. She has nothing to say about that. Doesn't get worked up about that, but gets worked up at, what did he call her again? Hot tamale. Go ahead. See, my favorite big booty Latina. I love you, AOC. You're my favorite. She wants to kill babies, but she's still beautiful. You look very beautiful in that dress. You look very sexy. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. I love it. My favorite, AOC. Nice to meet you, AOC. Look how sexy she looks in that dress. Woo, I love it, AOC. Hot, hot, hot like a tamale. Like a tamale. Uh, all right, she's still having a panic attack over it. It's all fake, by the way. It's all fake. Hey, by the way, she says the Capitol Hill police didn't protect her. She was walking with her fiancé, who, by the way, had one of those little mini dogs. Not a good look. All right, give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we'd love to see Lee Zeldin be successful. Congressman Zeldin, New York is a total and complete mess. She 
did absolutely nothing. She's done nothing with her life, by the way. Absolutely nothing. Uh, she doesn't deserve to be governor. Remember, Andrew Cuomo, the notorious Andrew Cuomo, picked her to be the lieutenant governor. And why did he pick her? Well, uh, governors are notorious for picking non-entities to be their number two person. They just they don't want a threat. They don't want somebody who's going to try to take the job. Now they got to think about it because we have a string of lieutenant governors who have become governor. Uh, and they really should probably try to get somebody who's qualified, who n- knows what they're doing. Kathy, who, what did she do? She um, was a town clerk and a one-person, one-term congressperson from upstate somewhere. Uh, you got to really work at it to just go to Congress for one term. It's like 98% are reelected. Uh, for her to be edged out after just one term shows that she, she has no political chops. So, But this is why she was chosen, because she's a non-entity, nobody, and wouldn't get in Cuomo's way. And uh, now she's uh, now she's governor with real power. And, um, oh, like a lot of people who come into power suddenly, very immature. She's very immature about the power. Uh, listen to this. This is uh, from the New York Post. Hochul flies on New York's dime as everyone struggles to fill gas tanks. And uh, while New Yorkers are reeling from, this is in the Post, while New Yorkers are reeling from sky-high gas prices that force them to choose between driving to work, a trip to the store, or a family vacation, Governor Kathy Hochul has been hitching rides on their dime and avoiding traffic altogether by flying to most places. The governor hit the friendly skies either on a state helicopter or airplane a whopping 140 times in the first seven months since she took office last August, with costs to taxpayers estimated at upwards of $170,000. Is it really necessary to fly her to press conferences all over the state where she says stupid things and smiles inappropriately? Is that really? Because she has no expertise. There's nothing she's actually doing other than running for election, not re-election, election, her own. There's nothing getting done. There's no substance here. Uh, Let's see. The governor's personal frequent flyer program is immune to things like rising gas prices, cancellations, delays, and lost luggage, according to the Assembly Minority Leader William Barkley of Oswego. Unfortunately, the everyday taxpayer, the people paying the bill for her questionable and costly traveling, don't have the same kind of luxury. And the cost to taxpayers of the flights has also increased in recent months, given skyrocketing fuel, blah, 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 blah. Um, let's see, what kind of hell? It was a nice helicopter with retractable landing gear. That's an expense of Sikorsky 76D operated by the state police. It costs $2,500 per hour to fly. You know, it should be used for rescuing people, you know, possibly maybe in an emergency, you know, flying, flying the governor to the scene of the emergency. But we haven't had 140 crises in New York. She's flying around. Phony press conferences, and what they do is, I'm sure they do this. They do it at a federal level all the time. Like, let's say you're you're Joe Biden, and you need to raise money, and you got to fly someplace like uh, New York. Obama did this all the time. So, okay, we got a fundraiser at Anna Winter's house on Thursday. Hmm, how do we get there and not build the campaign? I know we'll come up with some phony government business for us to say we're doing. So they'll come up here and they'll do something that is governmental. You know, he's going to uh, meet with the New York regional FBI team. He's going to make a speech at the um, – where else would he go? 
He actually did this. He dropped by the New York City Police Department one time. I thought I thought it was cool that he was there. But then I found out, oh, wait a second. He had an, a fundraiser on the Upper East Side right after. That's a little trick they play. Yeah, I'm here on business. Ooh, I'll just raise a couple of million. Uh, so that's, I'm sure, what Kathy has done. Very immature. We've got to help Zeldin. He is um, a serious man of real accomplishment. I know nobody seems to value that these days, but <laughs> he managed to get himself reelected. He volunteered for the armed forces. He served in Iraq, uh, and he helped defend Trump from that phony impeachment, at least one of them. I think those are pretty, pretty substantial credentials. What does Kathy have? She wears that windbreaker, and she's, well, that's it. I'll stop there. Not impressed. Not impressed at all. Um, Oh, here's something. I see that she has a lot of bodyguards. This is always the mark of an amateur, somebody who doesn't know, especially in public life, in politics. You know, some of these jobs do come with security. A lot of these jobs don't even rate them. The controller of New York City has like six cops working for him. A borough presidents get uh, security details. Certain jobs need them. Yeah, the governor, you get a couple. Not 80. I saw her at the Belmont racetrack. She was surrounded by 80 cops. County police, city police, state troopers, uh, plain clothes. They didn't all work for her full time, but she allowed that to happen. She wanted the entourage. She loves the power. You got to get rid of those people who love the power. You got to find people who love people. And those who know how to use power, she doesn't know what she's doing, but it looks like, you know, through uh, inertia, laziness, you know, she's up in the polls, I'm hearing. Did anybody see what happened during the summer of 2020? (laughs) This city was set on fire. The governor didn't do anything. The mayor didn't do anything. Here's, Here's chance for a little bit of payback. Here's a chance for some payback. I'd love to see her out. I'd love to see her out. She does not deserve it. Zeldin does. Let's see what happens. Um, oh, do we have AOC freaking out at that press conference? Right? No? Oh, she freaked out because that guy called her a tamale. <laughs> a hot tamale. I know it's not right. All right. Now, she, so what does she do? She puts her head on Instagram and makes a video wailing about everything. Go ahead. See this guy right there? Right there. He, when I was walking up, um, he said, hey, right in front of a Capitol Police officer, said, hey, uh, here's this, look at that big ass, look at that big juicy booty, this Latina, like whatever, you know, all the bunch of racist, sexist stuff. I think the thing that was so crazy about that incident is not even that it happened, but that it happened on the Capitol steps right in front of a Capitol Police officer. And this dude was engaged, like this wasn't about a political opinion, or protest or anything like that. He was engaged in very clearly sexually threatening, aggressive behavior right in front, on the Capitol steps in front of an officer. And he wasn't even asked to take a step back. Like this officer was just cool with it. Wow, this officer was cool with the guy not breaking the law. By the way, he didn't call her a juicy ass. She said uh, she had a nice booty. There's a difference. He did not say ass, and he did not say juicy. 
He did compliment her. And by the way, I'm sorry, but this is, uh, I think it's still America. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that like, I think, I hope it's kind of America. Here she is. She wants to sick the cops on this guy. Can I hear that one more time? She thinks this guy should have been arrested somehow. Go ahead. What did he do? This guy right there. No, 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 no. The Stein. I want to hear the guy, uh, the original, the original. All right, here he is. Here he is. And he's from 50 feet away. Go ahead. See, my favorite big booty Latina. I love you, AOC. You're my favorite. She wants to kill babies, but she's still beautiful. You look very beautiful in that dress. You look very sexy. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. I love it. My favorite, AOC. Nice to meet you, AOC. Look how sexy she looks in that dress. Woo, I love it, AOC. Hot, hot, hot like a tamale. He didn't say, t- he didn't say ass. He didn't say juicy. Now, he could have, but that stuff, you can be that way. You can be crude. You can't make it the law to be nice. You can't make it the law to be nice. To be nice, you got to have rudeness sometimes. Uh, what were they going to do? By the way, the... <laughs> The Capitol Hill police in this in this one instance, I will say, did the right thing by not hassling this guy. Although I understand later uh, asked for his uh, ID. Uh, Silly stuff. Hey, real quick. New Zealand has. The lowest uh, number of people who own guns in the world. Almost nobody owns guns in New Zealand. You know what else New Zealand has? The highest burglary rate in the world. Isn't that interesting? People think New Zealand is like this uh, paradise. Now, why is there such high, so many burglaries in New Zealand? They're not afraid of getting shot. It's one of the reasons why having a gun, you know, you you kind of want people to be a little bit of afraid, especially criminals who are breaking into a house. I think there'd be less break-ins in New Zealand if there was a bit more gun ownership. Fair enough. Um, oh, one other thing here. Steve Bannon is making news. Uh, This was uncovered by some left-wing magazine. It's called Mother Jones. Which speaking, uh, never mind. Anyway, can I hear what he said back in October of 2020? He had some advice for the president. You got that, please, Steve Bannon, October 2020. Go ahead. And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. But that doesn't mean he's the winner. He's just going to say he's the winner. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. Wow. Can you believe that? He's going to just declare himself the winner? Unbelievable. What a threat to our democracy. Just ask Adam Kinzinger. Here he is reacting to what you just heard. Cut 56. Steve Bannon is an agent of chaos. Steve Bannon, in his own words, believes you have to basically burn the system down to rebuild it and fix it. What he's saying right there is very clearly him saying, no matter what, we're declaring victory. And that is a violation of everything we have to hold dear in a constitution. Listen, the only thing we need for democracy to survive is the knowledge that you can vote, that that vote counts, and we live with the winner or loser. If half the country believes that that wasn't accurate, mm-hmm. you can't expect democracy to survive. Uh, okay. Um, actually, I don't necessarily feel that my vote counts, actually, these days. I'm really worried about that. Um, now, what Bannon was talking about was a strategy. It's not a threat to democracy. Or if you want to freak out, Adam Kinsinger, maybe you should freak out to what Hillary Clinton was saying for a year and a half. Cut 60. Go. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as 
focused and relentless as the other side is. Uh, don't concede under any circumstances. What about the circumstance where the other side gets more votes? Under any circumstances, you see, both sides engage in this kind of talk. All right? It's constitutionally protected. When our side does it, there is a total freakout, impeachment hearings, phony January 6 hearings, all this stuff, a threat to our democracy rhetoric. Their side says it. It's okay. It's incredible how phony it is, and they wonder why more people aren't watching these hearings. Why no one cares about these hearings. And, uh, oh, they seem to be hurting uh, those who are participating. To the extent that people are watching, Liz Cheney is going down in flames. Liz Cheney is going to lose this election. She's running for, uh, she wants to be reelected, right, in Wyoming. That's where she's from, Wyoming. So the fake news goes up there. Uh, w, uh, not, not, not affiliated with us. ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos. They send uh, the lady up there who works there, too. And she interviews people from Wyoming. Now, keep this in mind. The polls there say that Liz Cheney is going to lose by 20 points. Liz Cheney is going to lose by 20 points. But they go up there and they find, you can find anybody to say anything, and they found these people to say this. Cut 58. I do plan to go uh, prior to the primaries, change my affiliation back, and I I am going to vote for Liz. If she wins the Republican nomination, would you vote for her in the general election? Absolutely. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm a registered Republican, and I have never voted in the primary election, but I'm going to this year because I want to vote for Liz. I'll be honest with you. I did vote for President Trump the first time around, but I will never vote for him again. That's in Wyoming. They <laughs> that side. Why would you get on a plane to go and talk to five people? They talked to two people who were against Liz Cheney, although – What's her name again? Martha argues with the guy like, how can you be for Liz Cheney? Didn't you see the riot? How can you be against Liz? Cheney? How can you be for Trump? Didn't you see the riot? And then they go right to these four people. Was it three people who support her? And that's totally against the data, the numbers that are out there everywhere. She said there's plenty of support, plenty of support for Liz Cheney. That's a word, huh? Plenty, plenty of support. Mike in the Poconos. Hello. Hey, Greg, always a pleasure. I'm driving right now, 84 West in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, <clears throat> I spoke to you a few times about uh, 7th uh, Street Garden City, my dad's store. He was friends with your mom and dad. Uh, you know, I'm listening to ABC. I always do. Curtis and I are the same age. So all right, you know. all right. What's up? All right, here's what's up. George Floyd, you spoke about, okay? No one deserves to die like that. But like you said, I've said it before. He's a, uh, a lifelong felon. He had fentanyl in his system. He had a loaded gun to the stomach of a pregnant lady the night before. Uh, and you know what, people? I, I thought they were going to canonize him into a saint. You know, yeah. I mean, really, things, yeah, things are getting so out of hand. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Greg, I called you. I was going to Scranton. I follow the arrow. Uh, my Google's not working. I'm on the yeah. uh, I'm on the Joe Biden Expressway. I mean, anyway. The Joe Biden Expressway. Country. Listen, you're uh, you're totally – you raised some great points. And I guess what started this is I found out over the weekend, and I saw it myself, and I verified his identity. George Floyd, civil rights icon, was in some porno clips, uh, not just, you know, leaked sex tapes, uh, but, you know, actual porno movies. And I think that's relevant. I think that's interesting, actually. Relevant, I think it's interesting. 
doesn't mean anything about his death, doesn't mean anything, but I want to know everything about the civil rights icon. Quite frankly, when you saw the tapes about MLK hooking up with those women, I found that interesting too. Didn't mean he was anything less than uh, a great civil rights leader. And actually, MLK, boy, oh boy, we've come to appreciate him, huh? How about that? What beautiful words. Judging people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I love it. I love it. I don't care if you had girlfriends. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hello, hello. Mm. Oh, Hunter Biden is um, showing up at the White House more. Have you noticed that? Just the other day, I was like wondering out loud. Somebody witnessed it. I think I said it on this show as well. Why the hell is Hunter Biden going to the White House all the time? He was there for the Medal of Freedom ceremony. He was there for the Easter egg roll. He was there for the 4th of July. Now, that was very conspicuous, a very conspicuous appearance. Now, you would think, well, hey, if your uh, dad was the president, wouldn't you go by the White House every now and then? Um, sure, but it was choreographed and sudden. It raised eyebrows. It raised my eyebrows, uh, at least one of them, you know, and um, I thought, what's going on here? Now we know. Oh, boy. Now we know. They were trying to uh, uh, set the stage for the story that came out uh, this weekend that we know Hunter Biden went to the White House to visit then Vice President Joe Biden 30 times, 3 zero. Uh, in eight years, official semi-official meetings like on his schedule, 30 meetings. Now, look, there's part of me that wants to say this is no big deal, but I can't because of all the data and everything we know about these uh, these lowlifes, quite frankly. I you know, the money coming from Ukraine, uh, the, the stuff in China, um, uh, the conversations that we know took place between these two. Uh, there's just so it raises all kinds of what the hell was going on. I mean, doesn't we know what was going on? Hunter would go to the White House right after his uh, overseas trips and brief the old man about the money situation. He was flying all over the world. Now, the other thing you got to remember, and Joe knows this, he was coming to the White House doing business all over the world, and he's a drug addict. Everybody knows he needs help big time. Looks to me like the only time they really, 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 as a family, came together to get Hunter into rehab was just before Joe Biden ran for president. Then they they really had to clean up that situation. So 30 times in eight years, that's not a whole heck of a lot. That's like once every couple of months, if you add it up. 96 months is eight years, I think. Heck, I went by one police blaster to visit my dad a bunch of times. I don't think it was quite, you know, how long was he there? 12 times? Uh, it certainly wasn't 30 but it was, you know, a couple of times a year, twice a year maybe. I love going to visit him uh, at Police Plaza, One Police Plaza. I love that building, by the way. The first time I was there, I was in first grade. It was in the uh, mid-1970s, and I saw my dad get promoted to lieutenant, and I thought he was the coolest guy in the world, and uh, I thought that was the coolest place in the world, One Police Plaza. I always love going there to see him get promoted. Lieutenant. Captain, deputy inspector, inspector, deputy chief, assistant chief, all those promotions. And then one day to see him actually in charge of the entire department. That was awesome. That building still holds a special place in my heart, just like the NYPD does. Um, 
NYPD does not hold a special place in Eric Adams' heart, who just used it for his own personal ambition. Uh, bad guy. Do you have this thing where he says, I don't smell any? Yeah, listen to this. People are complaining about sewage, and Eric Adams doesn't see a problem. Now, number one, he's wearing a... How is he dressed, by the way? He wasn't wearing a suit. It looked like he was wearing a... I don't know. Is it the kind of... It was all white, no tie, like a tunic. He was wearing a tunic, like from Egypt. It was very strange. Um, I mean, not that... It's very strange. Yeah, I'm sorry. It is kind of strange for the mayor of the city of New York to be wearing a tunic. All right. If you want to be an imam uh, at a mosque, that's totally fine. But to wear a tunic, he wasn't. I noticed he wasn't wearing too many tunics when he was running, did he? Cut 57, please. He says that the odor is not so bad. In fact, he finds it kind of pleasant. What is it that you smell or see? Do you see garbage all around when you go into the subways? Is there any concerning? Smells again. Well, the, yeah, the number one thing I smell right now is pot. It's like everybody is smoking a joint now. You know, um, uh, you know, everybody has a joint. Uh, I, I, I'm not smelling. Maybe I have a New York nose that you know. I'm not smelling. You know, uh, filth. You know, that hey, was a, that's, a, that's the problem. We don't like the way that stuff smells. We also don't like the way people act when they're on it. Eric Adams is a total pot smoker. I know he is. He's sharing with uh, Stephen Colbert on stage. I remember when there was like, oh, my God, do you believe that? I heard from a friend who knows that Bill de Blasio is smoking marijuana. It was like, what? That could bring this entire city down. Now he's basically smoking it in front of our faces. Literally. Passing it around on television. We got a big problem with this guy. A big problem. He knows nothing. And he seems to not know that he knows nothing. That's even more dangerous. All right, give me a moment. Your call's... In a little bit, and uh, welcome to the work week. Summer is flying by. Uh, oh, Newsmax tonight at 7 o'clock. I'm going to go into details. Sorry, but somebody has to. About George. Oh, did I say 7 o'clock? That's the old time spot. Thank you. 10 p.m. And we're going to talk about George Floyd's porn career. Career in pornography. Be right back. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, is this true that um, Fauci is retiring? Dr. Fauci is retiring uh, when here? Uh, He's the head of the National Institute of Health Infectious Disease chapter. Pardon me. When is he retiring? When Joe Biden's term is up, which could be very soon, actually. It could be in February, but it also could be. Uh, two years from now, six years from now, when Joe Biden, what's a funny way to put it? You know, I actually resent anybody who can announce their um, that they're leaving a job years ahead of time. There's something very arrogant about that. Most people can't do that. Most people basically, you know, what do we have? We're given two weeks notice or we give them two weeks notice. That's it. <laughs> yeah, There are people who have two jobs before he leaves this job, after he just announced. University presidents are famous for this. Politicians do it. I guess it makes sense because they got to say whether or not they're running for re-election. But a bureaucrat, you know, okay, well, maybe you'll get fired before then. Who knows? I, I could never come out and say, I will be leaving WABC in four years. I've decided, no. I mean, a lot can happen in the next four years. Hey, Greg, remember that time you were late uh, two days in a row? Uh, yeah, um... Well, you know, that kind of thing. 
Does that make sense? I don't like it when they when they talk like that. That's just all right. And and by the way, he was a terrible, terrible uh, presence during COVID. Absolutely horrible. Uh, double talk. Could not understand what he was saying. You know, one time, and this changed him. There was one time that he was very clear about what was going on and about the threat it posed. Do you know when? January 26th of 2020, it was on my television show, the Newsmax show. And basically, nobody had ever heard of COVID. We weren't even calling it COVID at that point. It was still the coronavirus. And I'm like, so what the hell is this thing? And he says what it is. I'm like, wow, that sounds terrible. Uh, Are we going to be okay? And he said, well, at this point, there's really nothing to worry about. So, you know, as long as you're not going to Wuhan, and I don't think you are, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm like, fantastic. All right, great. And that's literally what I said. All right, great. Phew. Uh, I had me worried there for a second, but now I know we don't have to worry. He was he he asked, he responded to my very clear question with a very clear answer, and he was burned for that. By the way, because you know, a couple of weeks later, all hell breaks loose. You're shutting down the entire world, and this clip, people start playing this clip. You know, you have nothing to worry about. Well, if you knew you were gonna you know, life as we know it was going to totally change three weeks later, I think we might have started worrying. So when he got screwed for that uh, and it was held up in his face, is very embarrassing. And, yes, it was toward to me, Greg Kelly on the Newsmax show. He always went out of his way to be as confusing as anything and uh, mixed messaging just, uh, just to be – you couldn't even follow what the hell he was talking about. And you saw Rand Paul really suffer under that, you know, just trying to get straight answers out of him. Anyway – He's retiring at the end of Joe Biden's term. Hey, keep your eye on Dr. Roz. He is the Republican nominee in Pennsylvania. He's doing great. Um, And the guy he's running against, uh, Fetterman, right? Fetterman. Is he still in the hospital or what? I heard he got better, but he's still keeping a very low profile. He's a very strange guy. Uh, The lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. I mean, just look at his, I mean, you don't want to judge too much on the clothes, but look at his clothes. He is posing for the official lieutenant governor picture, and he is wearing the weirdest work shirt, like right out of China. I mean, like Mao's China. It's gray with two pockets, not wearing a tie. Hey, I know no one's wearing ties anymore, uh, and everybody's kind of lightened up in the style department, but it was basically disrespectful. He is like Bernie Sanders, but 30 years younger, crazy liberal, and um, I'm hoping for the best here for uh, Dr. Raz. Very competitive state. I think he should win because uh, I think he's, it looks like he's going to win because, well, it's going to be a red year, although they're freaking out very, very much, and who knows what kind of trickery they'll all be up to. Um, we have that. Oh, and the other thing about uh, Joe Biden, here's what I've heard from top-level people close to the president, President Biden, that is. So Joe was going to meet Mohammed S.B., Mohammed, what's his name? Mohammed bin Salam, Mohammed MBS, Mohammed bin Salam. He's a young guy. He is in charge of uh, Saudi Arabia, and he's brutal. He, you know, his enemies cuts off their heads, that kind of thing. And Joe has been on the record as saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm mad at this guy, right? Where is, where, we have him saying that on the show anytime recently. 
He said all during the campaign, you know, we can't be friendly with a guy like this. So he goes over there and he says to his team, look, I'm not going to shake hands with him. And they think, wow, that's going to be quite a moment. He's not going to shake hands with him. No, I'm not going to shake hands with him because shaking hands, that's a real, it's a gesture of friendship. He compromises and fist bumps him. The fist bump. Well, the fist bump has become far chummier than a handshake. You you fist bump your buddies. You shake hands with the boss. You shake hands with, uh, you know, the first time you meet your lawyer. You're, you know, you fist bump somebody you like, somebody you're chummy with. And this thing has backfired big time. Now, by all accounts, he went over there begging for gas because we need more. We were energy independent under Trump. Now we are we're in a bad place. We're in a bad place. And he went over there and it looks like we didn't get what we wanted. Nobody actually, um, he did not free up more oil supplies. Uh, we're not getting it. And there's some question as to whether we have the ability to refine whatever oil he should actually release. Did you ever hear anyone call Donald Trump xenophobic? And what does xenophobic mean? It means fear of foreigners, right? Uh, fear of foreigners. You hear it all the time. Donald Trump is, and a lot of Republicans, we're all xenophobic. Cut 46, please. The Republicans will never fail to have their uh, xenophobic uh, motions to recommit. I'm left to wonder if the silence of many Republicans in the wake of President Trump's xenophobic tweets is out of embarrassment or agreement. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. First, let me say, if you're an American and you're not repulsed, by the racism, the xenophobia, the, the entire, and we're going to get into some of these Republican ads, that it is Mexican versus white, it is black versus white, it is Muslim versus white. You don't understand what this country is built on. No, it was not about Muslim versus white, Mexican versus white. It was a competition of ideas. And we don't care who holds those ideas. We like certain ideas, okay? We like small government. We like a strong border. We hate wars that we don't win. We hate unnecessary wars. We hate high taxes. We hate over-regulation. And you know what? There are people who believe that, who look like all kinds, you know, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, go on and on and on. It doesn't matter what you look like. Your color doesn't matter. And I think this moment really beautifully exemplifies that. Uh, this is Myra Flores. Do you know about her? New congresswoman from Texas. She's a Republican. And she was born in Mexico. Came to the United States as a child with her family legally. Now she's married to a Border Patrol agent, and she is a hero. We love her. I love her values. I love her. I, I love her story. I love that she come came from Mexico and is the first Mexican-born Member of Congress ever. AOC likes to pretend that she's something special, but she's from Yonkers. It's no big deal. Uh, it's fine to be from Yonkers, but I mean, this is this is this is an extraordinary story. But she's Republican, so don't make much of it. Myra Flores is getting sworn in, and listen to all the good old boys from Texas. You know they're not going to like a, a Mexican little uh, senorita, right? No way, or will they? Cut forty-seven. <laughs> Congratulations, you are now a member of the Ohio State <laughs> Without objection, the gentleman from Texas is recognized for one minute. 
Myra will be the first Mexican-born woman to serve in this House and the first Hispanic Republican woman to serve in our Texas delegation. And everybody loves it. All those Texas good old boys, especially, we love it. It's about ideas. And the fact that she came from Mexico legally, that's that's beautiful. It's unique. It's it's just we're not xenophobic. You're um I think they're the they're the racists on the left. They really are. Here's more proof that we're not xenophobic. Actually, let's bring it back to Donald Trump. Ivana Trump died last week at the age of seventy three. Fell down the steps, it looks like. Really sad. 73 is too young these days. And um, listen to this. Uh, cut 48. Does now Donald Trump married her. Do you think a xenophobe would marry somebody who sounds like this? Cut 48. I was uh, raised, born and raised in Czechoslovakia. And, and I did want to point it out that, that if you live in America, if you live here, uh, and the people leave of Czechoslovakia 25 years old, they have a handicap on 25 years because they have to start from scratch. They have to work harder. And that's what, what immigrants, you know, really stand for. And and, uh, and uh, uh, we work hard and we achieve. And I have achieved. Wow. Beautiful. From Czechoslovakia. How about that? Oh, gosh. Really? Too young. And how about Melania? Would a xenophobe marry a woman who had this story and sounds like this? Go ahead. A small, beautiful, and then communist country in Central Europe. My sister Ines, who is an incredible woman and a friend, and I were raised by my wonderful parents. Isn't that nice? Xenophobic. He's so xenophobic, huh? He married two foreign women. Uh, Patricia wants to say something about Lee Zeldin. We were just talking about him. We wanted to win. We think Kathy Hochul is a great big phony. And uh, now she's uh, wasting everybody's time and money flying around on state helicopters and planes. Hi, Patricia. Hi, how are you? All right. Well, I just wanted to know if you heard that on Long Island, the crime is picking up. And on Saturday, do you know where Wheatley Plaza is? I do. I do. That's where that Ben's Kosher Deli is or was for a long time, right? No, it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. Right next door is London Jewelers. Yeah. Four o'clock p.m. on Saturday, four guys dressed in black with sledgehammers went in there and smashed the place up and stole unknown amount of money. Wow. Really? And the people, yeah. But there, there are a lot of um, seniors. And there's also a supermarket there, but I forgot the name of which one it is. And there, it's, you know, it's an open um, it's a arena plaza. there. Yeah. So people, yeah, plaza. So they walk and children, everyone was scattering all over the place. It was terrible. Is there, I wonder if there's video. Uh, this yeah. is, this Go is. To News 12. News, Go to News, News 12. 12. I mean, is there a video of it in progress? This is what happens, by the way, when you delegitimize mm-hmm. law enforcement and you complain about systemic racism that doesn't exist. Uh, now, not making assumptions about the uh, the color of anybody involved, but one of the reasons why law enforcement was delegitimized was because of this phony conversation we had about race. And uh, so the response, whatever the color of these uh, perpetrators, it doesn't matter. Uh, law enforcement has been kneecapped. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, this is not something that happens on Long Island. Hey, Brentwood's another story. MS-13, that's like the capital of... 
North American MS-13. I'm going to check this out. I'm so sorry to hear about that. London Jewelers, It's a, I think it's a family business. And, oh, note to everybody, if you've got a nice piece of jewelry or a beautiful watch, leave it at home for the next couple of years. I have a beautiful watch. I'm not wearing it anymore. Um, I'm going to replace it with a Casio. Nothing wrong with a Casio, but it's not exactly, you know what I mean. Hey, Patricia, thank you for that tip, okay? Have a good day. Bye. You bet. Uh, Zeldin, uh, Zeldin needs to get on this. He's great, by the way, but he's got a lot of work to do. All right, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you know who's become a uh, a friend, and I like him a lot? Uh, Mark Gastineau, the former New York Jet, uh, an amazing guy, and uh, he's in the area, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and uh, he found the Lord. He had everything people want, fancy cars, you know, girls everywhere. Uh, the guy was in amazing shape. Uh, but I think he'd be okay with me telling you he didn't really start living until he figured out God was in control and Christ is his son. And he just sent me a message here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I love it. I love it. Mark Gastineau, uh, Gastineau a born-again Christian, and he is the real deal. One of the uh, people who um, has helped me in my own faith journey and I feel kind of comfortable uh, telling you this. I don't have transphobia. I think we talked about this late last week, but I am kind of trans awkward. I'm awkward around trans people. I just am. And I think it's being thrust upon us in the weirdest, most perverse way. Um, I don't get it. Uh, I need to know more about the agenda. Why? Why now? Why is this so important? Why is it so important for Leah Thomas to swim on that girl's team when she has every advantage of being a man. And now, insult to injury, and they're playing games with us big time. The University of Pennsylvania has nominated her to be the NCAA, the National Collegiate Athletic Association's Woman of the Year. Woman in quotation marks, of course, and put a big question mark. Woman of the Year. Now, who's getting off on that? Who Who's taking some sort of perverse pleasure in that? I think that's part of the agenda here. There are some folks, for whatever reason, are getting their jollies by bringing up this transgender stuff and pushing it on everybody, especially children. You know who should be the women of the year? Her her teammates on that University of Pennsylvania swim team. Tonight on the Newsmax show at 10 o'clock, I'm going to show you, I'm going to read you their amazing letter when they said, basically, what about us? What about our mental health? We did all the right things to get to this school, to be on this team. And we're literally being blown on out of the water with this man, by this man, who has every advantage of being a man, yet is going to be identified as a woman or transgender. One of the things about this, it is an instant, easy access path to status. And that's what people want, status. And minimal effort, too. Undergo a surgery, status, status, LGBTQ, to be the T in that thing, and that and that succession. Boy, right now they have more status, I'm told, than gays in LGBTQ. It's all about transgender, and it's all weird, and not for nothing. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, have you seen more of them lately, walking around the street? I have. They're not doing themselves any favors. 
All right? I mean, I'm sorry, especially those who transition from men to women. We can tell. We can tell that it's what we're seeing doesn't make sense. Okay? We we can tell. You're never going to be able to shake that. We know. So there's that. And then I hear that crazy lady lecturing Senator Josh Hawley said, do you believe men? She asked him, do you believe men can give birth? And he says, uh, no. Well, then you're transphobic. <laughs> you're transphobic if you say that. What person, by the way, what woman would transition to being a man, which I guess entails a artificial penis and whatnot, but they keep the uterus? It makes no sense at all. But I guess there are three men who used to be women who kept the uterus who are pregnant right now in America. And we should redesign society, bathrooms, furniture, HR to make them feel not just comfortable in charge. I think that's that's the ugly part here. They want to be in charge. Susan in Brooklyn. Hello. Hi there, Greg. You were talking about, you played that clip of Steve Bannon um, strategizing about the um, the 2020 presidential election. And um, they already, they believed that they were going to be 800,000 votes or more ahead in Pennsylvania. I think they were closer to a million or more the night of the, uh, of the election. And actually, I heard Rudy Giuliani say last week, I don't know if it was on his show or a podcast, that he advised them to um, to declare victory that evening. Um, they were ahead uh, in Michigan, I believe, several key states, swing states. And then as, it, you know, and then what about that uh, driver, uh, a U.S. postal driver that was, Summoned to pick up, he didn't know at the time, but pallets. Uh, he yeah, the truck driver from Long Island of Pennsylvania. It's all very. Uh, look, you know, declaring victory can be that a strategy. Just like hell, Gore. I think George W. Bush essentially declared victory at one point. George W. Bush thought he was the winner, and then Al Gore called him and said, "I'm taking back my concession." Was that anti-democratic? I mean, here here's Hillary Clinton saying out loud, out loud, you should never concede. How is that different from declaring victory? Cut 60, please. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. Eh, eh, eh. Susan, thank you. Hey, I appreciate you consuming all this uh, content, podcasts, radio. Keep it up, Susan. Counting on you. I'll be right back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Greg 
Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. A couple of quick things here. Did you hear about the Minneapolis mom? This is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. A Minneapolis mom was captured on video Saturday confronting Black Lives Matter activists who congregated in her neighborhood to protest the fatal shooting of a gunman who she claimed tried to kill her and her children. Arabella Foss Yarbrough called police last Wednesday night after neighbor Andrew Sundberg allegedly fired his gun into her home as she cooked her kids' dinner, leaving bullet holes in her front door, walls, and above her bathroom sink. Uh, The two Minneapolis police snipers shot him dead Thursday morning after a long standoff. A pistol with an extended magazine and several bullet casings was found in his apartment, the New York Post reported. This is not a George Floyd situation. George Floyd was unarmed. This is not okay. All right, so here's the woman. She called the cops. Now everyone's coming down on her. BLM is coming down on her. How dare you call the cops when you're being fired at by this nut job? How about this? All right, we have audio of her, this mother, Arabella. Let's hear what she has to say. Cut 61. She's shouting at the BLM mob. Go ahead. Thank you, my idols, because you guys are celebrating his life. It was a terror. I'm sure it was a this terror. Is not going. okay. It's not okay. You're alive. Shut up. You guys need to just let it go. Grief is silence. This is not okay. This is not a George Floyd situation. George Floyd was un- unarmed. He was unarmed. You're alive. This is not okay. My kids have to deal with this and probably have a mental illness now because they almost lost their life. There's bullet holes in my kitchen Not because he know. sat in the f-ing hallway watching my move. I wish it never happened either. That I don't have a place to call home. I can't sleep that night. She's obviously going through a moment. That's uh, that's tough. But let's recap here. She's cooking dinner for her kids, she says, and then bullets start flying through the kitchen, uh, hitting the wall uh, all over the place. She calls the cops, as one would do. If I was in the kitchen, my wife cooking dinner, uh, bullets started flying around, we'd call the cops. Hopefully the cops would come, and let's say they found out who was shooting and they lived across the way. Well, the cops had some snipers. And after six hours, they tried to negotiate with this person. There's a standoff of some kind, and the guy was killed. Now, Black Lives Matter doesn't like this because you know how it works with Black Lives Matter. Okay? Well, first of all, let's recap. Black Lives. Black Lives Matter. They don't care about black lives unless a black life was taken by a white cop. Then they spring into action. Then there's money to be made. Then there's power to be gained. That's what they're around for. Ben Crump, Al Sharpton. I mean, there is big money. 
$57 million went to the family of George Floyd. There's money to be made here. And I'm watching this video. The woman who was yelling and saying, this is not George Floyd, I think she has a real good point. And this guy shot at her, shot into her house, allegedly. The cops haven't arrested her. I'm on her side at this point. I noticed, by the way, Black Lives Matter shows up, the big mob. Uh, you would, and by the way, she's a person of color. You know, Black Lives Matter, you know, it conjures an image of black people coming together. You know, you've seen those demonstrations, but think about those demonstrations. You see a lot of white people, especially white women in the mix. Well, <laughs> the the two leaders of the Black Lives Matter mob in this video is a white guy who definitely looks like he's not from the hood. He's wearing uh, It's a very bad look. I'm sorry. I don't like making fun of white guys for being white or anything like that, being a white guy myself, and I don't even like the term white guy. But sometimes the shoe just fits. And here he is confronting a woman of color about how she should be handling violence in her neighborhood. And he's wearing a polo shirt and tennis sneakers with big socks and ugly shorts. I just find that. And then there's a... A soccer mom also happens to be white who's trying to tell this woman what what's what's what. That's uh that's pretty wild. That's really wild. Much more tonight. I gotta see if I can get her on my Newsmax show at ten o'clock tonight. Uh the other thing we have to go over is a little bit closer to home. Woman bashed on New York City bus by attackers spewing anti white sentiment, according to police. Now This is in the Post, and you may have heard of it. This is also gathering some steam. A white woman was left bleeding after she was bashed in the head on a Queens bus during a fight with three black passengers who said they hate white people. The 57-year-old was on a southbound Q53 bus at Jamaica Avenue in Woodhaven Boulevard in Woodhaven around 6.50 at night Saturday. That's not late. It's light outside. She got into a fight with three black females whose ages were not known. She was then struck in the head with an unknown object causing a laceration and bleeding as the individuals made anti-white statements, police said. I hate white people. The way they talk, one of the attackers said, according to police. The three females fled from the bus after the attack and haven't been caught. Got a picture of them, though. Oh, yeah, I know what they look like. The victim was taken to Jamaica Hospital for the gash in her head. The NYPD's hate crime task force is investigating the incident. What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing. You know, the media, they've been, they want us at each other's throats. And it seems to be working in certain pockets, right? Don't fall for it. Don't go along with it. This is, a, this is the prime reason to resist, resist the media. What they have done, their lies and pitting people against each other. It's disgusting, as a friend of mine would say. Uh, let's see here. That is really wild. You know, it happened to me not too long. Well, about a year, year ago, a young 17 year old, she happened to be a black girl. I would say 17, maybe 16. I was walking down the street. I had earphones in my uh, ears and, uh, I felt a little push behind me and I'm like, what? I turned around and I'm sorry. Like I thought for a moment that I bump into you. So I said, are you okay? She's like, and she said, um, you're white. She obviously, she pushed me on purpose, per, on purpose. And she was frustrated. I don't, I almost don't, I don't really blame her in a way. Well, I do, but I blame our culture. 
our culture for pushing this lie about systemic racism, for making people feel like slavery was alive and well until yesterday by lying about the New York City Police Department. When you're surrounded by those lies, when you hear day in and day out that Trump supporters are white supremacists and neo-Nazis, maybe that can have an effect. Maybe that would make you want to lash out at somebody. She's young and stupid. And young and stupid people are susceptible to this kind of propaganda. Maybe. I don't know. I forgive her, though. I do. I do. And I'm sorry I called her stupid. She's just, she's susceptible. And uh, given the, if I were in her circumstances, perhaps I would be just as susceptible. Doug in Huntington, yes. Hi, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Have you, uh, have you, have you heard or seen anything to the effect of this Joe Biden phone call to Pashenko threatening him financially and physically if he shared some information with uh, Donald Trump? Uh I have heard and I've played on my Newsmax show and on this show a phone call between Poroshenko and Biden, but there was no threat of violence or anything like that. There was no threat of violence. But I, I've played it. I have it. It's verified. It's the real deal. It should be every. This should be as commonplace in America and indelibly printed imprinted in our minds as the George Floyd tape, but it's not. But I will say this. I never heard any threats. There was, a, you know, implied, like, he was asking desperately for a favor. Please fire the prosecutor. And uh, the pro- it looks like Poroshenko retort- recorded that phone call. All right? Uh, so I'm familiar. Have you heard it? Yes, I did. I heard it over the weekend. Well, what did you say? You said there were threats? There was a threat. I, I don't know exactly what... Well, tell me, tell me what the threat was. Tell me what you think was the threat. The threat was that he said that if he shared some information with Donald Trump, who was then just elected president, that he would be hurting them financially and physically. That's exactly what he said. Oh, this is after the election, right? This is after the election, yep. All right, um... I am less familiar, but I have heard that. But he offers the caveat. He doesn't say he, – he says something like, not that I want that to happen. Um, I will review that call again. I don't know if I'd call it a threat. Uh, it's not nearly as incriminating, I believe, as the previous phone call that happened in, when he was vice president. Okay? But I'll check that one out. I know that there was another call that was taped uh, after after Trump won, and he was on his way out. Uh, thanks for reminding me, Doug. I will check that out. Uh, I haven't heard it in a while. Douglas in Brooklyn. Hello? Yes, you're on Hello, the Greg. air. How are you today? Fine. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I heard a case briefly in Niagara County, New York, that a young high school man, a young high school person, uh, he decided that he was a woman. Okay. So it got up to the administration, and they were trying to decide which bathroom should he use, the men's or the women's. So in the end, the superintendent decided he should go to the nurse's station to use the men's room. Uh, The whole thing is ridiculous, obviously, but I think that's a decent compromise. I thought it was a good decision. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the bathroom in your home is is, uh, unisexual, if you will. Everybody uses the bathroom in your home. You know, the nurses. Yeah, I think I think that works. 
I think that works. Thanks, Douglas. Uh, wait, I want one more here. Where is this guy? Where is, uh, where is, uh, where is, uh, sorry about this. Okay, Doug, what the hell's up with all the Dougs in New Jersey? I'm wondering, what's with all these Dougs? My God, I thought I had a fairly uncommon name. Anyway, I'm a regular listener of the show, and I know you've played that band a number of times. It's playing for uh, President Biden uh, and commented on them. And I think we all need to laugh because it's just crazy times. So I thought there is a band worse than that band. And that is the Mayberry Band on Andy Griffith. Well, first of all, Doug, uh, Doug is not, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a unique name, but it's not exactly, I mean, there are four Dougs who just called in, four. And that's that's unusual. I, I guess I'm, I'm sounding a little belligerent. I apologize. First of all, let's hear the Palestinian band that you were just talking about. Uh, go ahead, please. Oh, gosh, they stink. All right, stop. Stop. Everybody knows they stink. Now, I will say this. I'm no expert on Andy Griffith. I, I couldn't stand that show. It always seemed boring to me, even the way it started. You know, it just looked boring. And what happens in the opening credits? You know, I like seeing a a starship, the Starship Enterprise, fly by at light speed. I don't like seeing Andy and some kid, you know, with a fishing pole next to a pond. I just could not get it. Remember? That's how the show opened. They're just walking down a dirt road. I'm like, I want nothing to do with this TV show. I think I've seen a half of episode in my entire life. So I don't know anything about that band, Doug. If you do, you can look it up. They're doing their boondoggle to try to go to Raleigh to play in some band competition, and they are worse. Well, what about the Little Rascals? I think they're probably take the cake when it comes to those bands. Thanks, Doug. I remember when they used to play those shows all day long, you know, uh, I guess it was in the 70s, and they would play primetime shows from the 50s and 60s, um, like Hogan's Heroes. It's another show that I didn't really, the opening of it was really cool. It was like militaristic and fun and interesting, and they had that, you know, spotlight, and then it was just weird comedy that I didn't quite understand at that age. All right, one more. Gail is in Staten Island. Hello, Gail. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Listen, you were wondering about, you know, what was going on with the uh, transgenders. It's a big diversion, as we all well know, to worry about a man and a woman. And while they're worrying about, I won't say what I said to your caller, I'll say T.A. and a man birthing, just like the world trade went down the first time. It's a diversion. The Terrorists are laying in wait like cockroaches because they can wait centuries. And when something blows up in Manhattan and some tragedy happens, everybody's going to scratch their heads while worrying about where they went to the bathroom. Yeah. When I grew up years ago, just like you said, there were it was uh, very rare to have a, a medical building. And when you, I went to the dentist, there was one bathroom. You waited. A man went in, then later on a woman went in. What is the big damn deal? Thank you, Greg. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, you're, it is distracting to our government agencies like Department of Homeland Security, you know, uh, the Pentagon. They're all consumed with diversity, equity, and inclusion and all that stuff. Wait a second, Gail. You made me think of something else. You were saying uh, – transgender it's a diversion 
Oh, 9-11. 9-11 and the terrorist attack. What were we distracted by that summer? Do you remember? Well, the first 9-11, the first tragedy that happened below the World Trade, I think something was going on in Washington. I don't know if it was with Clinton and the dress and the hearing. No, that came happened. later. That came uh, That came later. I mean, we can focus in the media on the trivial. That happens a lot. Hey, by the way, thinking of a time when we weren't consumed with trivial matters, we just went to the bathroom and that was it. We didn't have national conversations about it. We were going to the moon right now at this moment in 1969. What is it, July 18th? It's the 18th. The astronauts were on their way to the moon. They took off on the 16th. And they got there on the 20th. How many years? 53 years ago. Can you believe it? And we haven't been back since 1972. It's a disgrace. Hopefully, we'll be getting back there soon. But I'm not holding my breath, Elon Musk. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Major report about the Uvalde shooting. They're now blaming 400 cops, 400 cops for their inept response. You know, I wonder if that's fair. 400? I mean, I know that there were a couple of dozen who were milling around in that hallway. And for a variety of reasons, I mean, number one, they have to take responsibility. They went against all the protocol after Columbine. They said, this is like throughout law enforcement, don't wait for the SWAT team anymore. You got to go in there and stop the shooter. You got, And you don't need a battering ram. You don't need a bazooka. You can do it with a little gun. You can do it with a thirty-eight. You can do it with a 9 mil. You don't need an AR-15 or an M-16 or anything else. You need one well-aimed shot at the guy's brain or torso. Anything. You, hit, you aim for center mass, basically. And for those guys, and then you saw them, they went running down the hallway, running away, bang, 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 and they ran, and they did not engage for another hour. That's crazy. I don't know if I can blame all the cops on the outside, though. Uh, I'll be going through that report. Newsmax tonight at 10 o'clock. I love the new time. I am able to uh, fit in so much more to my day. I am... Uh, I went running today. I lifted weights today. I am going to be such a he-man. I've always wanted to be a he-man. I have never in my life been able to walk down the beach with my shirt off and be like, hey, I'm here. Look at me. I've always been self-conscious about something. All right? I'm self-conscious about too much weight. I'm, I'm, I'm either too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too something. I just never... I just want to do it once, just once. Get to the beach, take off my shirt, and be like, yeah, huh? Look at me. <laughs> now, is that a silly uh, goal uh, based in a lot of vanity there? Probably. Do I deserve it? What the hell? If I can do it, if I can pull it off, why not? I'm not going crazy, crazy, crazy. Just an hour a day, cardio and weights, no breakfast, protein and vegetables, no sugar. Um, and steroids. I mean, with that combination, I should be fine. I'm only kidding about the steroids. Uh, so that's uh, that's an ongoing project. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who else? Who else? Oh, one other quick thing. Have you ever seen, they tried to hang Mike Pence. They tried to hang Mike Pence. And they show the picture of the gallows with the little noose. You know how little that thing is? You know how little it is? 
It's three feet tall. You couldn't even fit a human being under there. It's kind of funny how misleading they have been about all of this stuff. We're going to have to sit through Adam Kinzinger on Thursday night. You don't have to. I will. Uh, I like making fun of it. In fact, I might live tweet it. I talked about being off of Twitter, which I primarily am, but I will resurface occasionally at Greg Kelly USA. Uh, All right. So I got to clean up around here. Is Rudy here today? He's in the house. America's mayor is back. The more they make fun of him, the more I like him. They have no idea what they're dealing with. And he will receive the Medal of Freedom someday. I will see it happen. <clears throat> Pardon me. All right. Just, Drew, you've been on hold. Uh, not that long, but what's up? You're in Belmore. Hi. Hey, Greg, what's going on? Um, you were talking about the pre-9-11 frenzy with the media covering these bogus stories, which encapsulated everybody. Yeah. Um, one of them was the great, and everybody forgets, it was dropped once 9-11 happened, was Chandra Levy. Remember the- Yep, um, Gary Condit, the congressman. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that consumed everybody. He was the happiest guy in America. The other story was... Oh, wait, he was the, the happiest guy? Oh, he was because it went away. Yeah. What was the other one? Yeah, it went away. We haven't heard it in 21 years. Uh, the other one was the great Michael Jordan supposedly was coming back to the uh, Washington Wizards, if you will. He was coming back out of retirement the 18th time. Huh. So that was a top story. Also, Lizzie Grubman was in that vehicle. Lizzie's a very nice person, and uh, I guess she had a bad night that night, but... Uh, Lizzie Grubman, remember that story in the the, the, the the nightclub in the Hamptons? That was also very, very big. We were engaged in a lot of silly stuff as the enemy was plotting away. Drew, great memory. Thank you. One more. Alex is in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to say, if people are wondering why we had this Uvalde shooting where the cops didn't go into the building to stop the shooter, I don't think that they were scared of getting shot by the gunman because it was the supervisor that said they shouldn't go in and he wasn't going to go and confront the shooter. I think the reason why they were so afraid to go in is because of all this anti-cop rhetoric and because of Black Lives Matter. So they were afraid, what if the shooter is black? Yeah. What if they shot him in the stomach when I, they should have shot him in the foot? I got it. Yeah, You're not. Uh, you're, you're, you're on to something. The, the over-criticism of police everywhere could have been a factor, but still, they should have gone in. I'll see you tonight at 10 o'clock on Newsmax. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.